Happy New Year. I have the first sermon of the year. It can only go up from here. I am grateful to be here this morning. I'm grateful to be able to have the opportunity this morning to share with you. Uh, I want to, before I get started this morning, I, I want to share a little bit with you. We have a, a new brochure. It's called Spring Into Acts of Love. Uh, I wanted you to know that this past semester uh, of 2020, God has used this church in so many miraculous ways. And you, you have kept up with a number of things that, that God has been doing in our church and you have made that happen by the food pantry, by the blessing Thursday that we've done, through different things that we've done. And there's a lot of things that we'll be doing in the spring that we won't. We'll continue to be safe. We'll continue to wear masks. But we want to continue to be active in loving and caring for our community around us. And so these brochures are, are found out there by the elevator. Be sure and pick one of those up on the way out today. So thank you again for the opportunity that we've had. You know, last January... As I, I think about last January and the opportunity God has given me, every time that I have had an opportunity to preach, by the way, Gary has been missing. And when they found out I was preaching this time, lots of people are missing, a matter of fact. And so that's okay. I'm grateful again for the opportunity. But last January, I prayed, God, would you show me a place and an opportunity for us as a church to care and be engaged with the poor in our community. Well, all of a sudden, COVID hit us. We had this food pantry called Given in Jesus' Name up in the second floor of the MAC. We pulled it downstairs and brought it into the foyer and made it an emergency food pantry called Acts of Love, and God has used that, a matter of fact, miraculously. We moved it back to a different place, and we've been giving food out. We've been helping families. And by the way, your generation, your generous donations to help many, many folks that have come through the doors here has been amazing. But let me tell you, we're not just passing out food. I want you to know that. We're not just putting tr food in the trunks of people's car. They come in. They schedule an appointment. They have a, we have a chance to visit with every one of them. We've had people that have come to know Christ through the food pantry which has been incredible. It's been amazing to see people come to know the Lord just by the opportunity of sitting and visiting with him. There was one particular girl, I just wanted to share this with you real quickly, but there's one particular girl, she came with a toboggan hat. She was covered up. She didn't want any part of her, her skin to be shown because she had tattoos all, all over and she came in very quiet and very timid. She was afraid, first of all, that she was gonna be judged by the church by the way she looked. We visited with her. We provided food for her. We had a chance to counsel with her a little bit and pray with her, and she began to weep. And she stopped outside these doors before she left, and she said, nobody has treated me like this. And church, I tell you that because that is the body of Christ. That is how we are supposed to act and be and do. In spite of all that has gone on around us, and it's not just COVID alone, but it's all the things, all the tensions around us that have kind of been confusing and, and desperate and difficult. And, and my, not only, and in my family as well, my, my 96-year-old mom, who is very strong and healthy, just finished with COVID. I'm so grateful. But if you know my mom, she can beat anything. She's one tough lady. She still cooks. She still gardens. She's still going strong. I hope I have her genes, as a matter of fact. But I'm so grateful how God has brought us as a family through that. 
But can I just tell you in all honesty, as I've seen these people come through the doors of our church for the food pantry, time and time again, a lot of them say this to me, I can't wait till we get back to normal. I don't know that we'll have her normal again. But I, I have caught myself many times in this time saying, I can't wait till things are different. <laughs> and all of a sudden, God places these things in our life to show us and to lead us to be different people. And the tears and the hurt and the pain that I saw coming through the doors every single day on Tuesdays and Thursdays when we opened this food pantry have been amazingly different for me. It's changed me. It has made me a different person. The fear that I see in their eyes and so many of them are so fearful has helped me to see the fear in my own eyes of just being able to take a step out. I thought it was important for us as a church that we cannot stop doing the things that God has called us to do, that we have to continue to do the things that God has given us the energy and the capacity to do. Amen? We have to. And so as I've had a chance to serve this this year in 2020, it's been amazing to see that. And I, I want to ask you this question, though, this morning. How have you reacted? How has your family reacted through this? I, I, a lot of our family has been sick, and we've all recovered, but there's been death, there's been sickness, there's been struggle, there's been different things that have happened in our families, and we have suffered. But how have you reacted during this time? We've relied on self-sufficiency. It's almost that old bootstrap mentality of I'll pull myself up by myself. I'll handle it myself. I'll take care of these things by myself. I can handle this. Thinking we're holding our, ourselves together and thinking that we're holding the world together. We can take care of this. We can do this together. We've turned, let me rephrase that. I have turned so inwardly, focusing on my life, focusing on my health, focusing on my things, focusing on the things that God has for me and not thinking about other people out there that need Christ. That's what God has called me to, is to share my life of Jesus Christ with people around me. That's all I'm called to. By the way, I'm not called to be a daddy or a father or a husband. God has called me to be a man of God, to live my life in such a way that I would exemplify Christ. And when life and things and sickness and health take you away from living that life of Jesus Christ, then something's wrong. And I've allowed it. I confess that to you, that I've allowed that at different times, that I've allowed this time in our life to take me away from following after God. And this morning, I want to share with you, but I... I want to tell you this, it's important that you understand this as well. Self-sufficient people don't go to God with the same desperation. When we're relying on ourselves, when we're relying on people around us, when we're relying on health or money or power or whatever it may be, we don't go to God with the same desperation. When I see these people coming through the doors, their heart, their mind, their weeping, their humbleness before God saying, I need God more than anything else has broken me. I had a chance in March to serve at Caritas, and I still go down there. I, 
I go down to Caritas Awaco to serve and pass out food. It's a little bit different now. We, we actually put food in trunks and kind of move people along. Recently, I went down there and I took pastries from Sam's and coffee, and I went to every single car and handed out pastries and coffee, and I prayed with every single car, two hours long. They're just loaded up. It used to be where I could go in and sit in the waiting room and I would have a chance just to interact with people, have a chance to talk with them, get to know them, pray with them. Many of them wanted prayer. I would, take, I would take different things, donuts and coffee, and I said, you cannot have the coffee and donuts until you hear me preach for two minutes. It was a con- condition. And so I was down one day, that Caritas, and this man was an elderly man. He was bent over. He was hurting. He was suffering. He was struggling. And I said this stupid thing to him. <laughs> I said, sometimes in life we just go through difficult times and sufferings. What I said, just not knowing, not thinking anything about what's going on in his life. This man said to me, oh no, God has been taking care of me. (laughs) And he put me in my place right away. He helped me to realize that his faith was in God. It was not in his health. It was not about the good things that were going on around him. It was on the faith of God being near him. And in some ways, church, I think we have lost that understanding that God is watching over us through this difficult time. He is taking care of us. He is watching us and providing for us. Blake, last Sunday, I surely appreciated his sermon last Sunday. Blake said this. He said, God's Spirit indwells us to live and act differently. Let me say it again. God's Spirit indwells us to live and act differently. There's a quote by an Australian missiologist. The quote says this, Michael Frost, it says, it is the Spirit within us that impacts and alters the environment that we inhabit. This is the second part of this. It is the Spirit in us and all around us that impacts and alters us. I don't know about you, but I need God's Spirit to alter me. I need God's Spirit to give me a different mindset about how to love and care for people, not about me, not about the things that I need, not about my health, but I need God's Spirit to alter me, to change me, to make me into the man of God that God has called me to be, into the church that he's called us to be. Another quote by James Davidson Hunter, American sociologist, says this, when Christians practice faithful presence, not social distance. I understand the need for that. I understand it's important to be safe. I understand we need to wear masks. I understand we need to use hand sanitizer and all those things. But when we practice this social, this this Christian practice of faithful presence by making disciples and serving the common good, they will alter the world around them. I don't know about you, but I think this is a time for the church, this is an incredible time for the church to step forward, not back. To step in, not out. To be involved and to look for people in a different way, to care for people in a different way that you've ever cared for them before because there's such a great need. And so many of these people that are coming through our doors, and by the way, many of these folks that are coming to our doors, they would have never come to our doors. God has gifted us and bringing many of the broken and hurting 
and struggle into our doors. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. It's not a time to move out. It's a time to move on. I grew up in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Anybody know where Tucumcari is? Man, you must have been lost. Tucumcari, New Mexico is barely on the map nowadays. There's not a lot to it. Born and raised in Tucumcari, and I remember I was in pre-first. My dad had just moved to a new job. He was a school teacher. My dad was, we lived kind of in the, the poor side of town growing up in my Hispanic family. But my dad got a new job, and we moved to the hill. We moved to 10th Street. We moved up. We were on the hill now. And I remember pre-first was going on in the 60s. It was called pre-first instead of kindergarten. And I remember packing my lunchbox. It was one of those farmhouse lunchboxes. Remember that? The thermos was a silo. It was great. A matter of fact, I had to look that up on Etsy the other day, and I want to buy it again, a matter of fact. I took my lunchbox. I was so excited about taking that lunch that day, and I got to school, and all I could think about all morning long was lunch. I still think about that, a matter of fact. I remember the bell rang, and I ran out of the classroom, and I ran straight to the front doors of the school. I run outside, and I'm looking for my mom. Where is mom? I wait, and I wait, and I wait. Finally, I couldn't wait any longer. Fifteen blocks later, I get home. That wasn't the time you could walk 15 blocks with nobody bothering you. Fifteen blocks later, I get home, and I bust into the house. I say, Mom, where were you? She said, you took your farmhouse lunchbox with you. (laughs) And folks, I say that because I look back on things that I want in life, and I think about the things that I've held on to in life. I think about the the things like that. For me, me, I'm ready to go back to the way things used to be instead of what God has in store for me. This morning, I want to share a scripture with you. I promise that was not the introduction, so don't be afraid. But if you'll turn this morning in Jeremiah 29, I'm grateful for those who are live streamed this morning. I think my 96-year-old mom is live streamed this morning. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for much of my family that probably live streamed this morning in other places in Texas and New Mexico. But I'm grateful for our live stream to be able to share that. I'm coming out of Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 1. And just as an introduction, I want you to understand that the children of Israel had been exiled. They'd been moved from their homeland, Jerusalem, to Babylon. And this is a letter from Jeremiah to those Israelites promising them the things that God has in store for them. And by the way, we didn't expect any of this that's going on in our life. But God can use this time. Amen? God can use this time just as he used this time in Babylon for the children of Israel that they would understand that God has a place and a purpose for their life, a plan, a hope. And we have that same hope. I'll read in verse 20, chapter 29, verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV this morning. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Going down to verse 4, it says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in the number there. Do not decrease. Also seek peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because it, it, for it to prosper. You too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says when 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place for which I carried you into exile. This morning, as we look at this scripture a little bit, I just wanted to share again that we understand that Jeremiah had sent a word back to these exiles telling them how to behave. I'm asking the question again, how have we reacted? How have we behaved through this time? First of all, the Israelites had no hope. They had been moved from their land. They had been moved from the familiarity of all that they had been involved in all their lives to a new land, a new place. There was no hope. They had lost their freedom. They were separated from their families and relatives. The situation seemed hopeless for them. And by the way, as I think about the number of people that have come through our doors, there's the number of people that have come through those doors and have seen nothing but hopelessness in their life. They're broken. And maybe in your own families, by the way, you may have had family members that have come to a place in their life where they're just struggling. What do we do? Where, where do we go from here? As I think about that, we think about the, the idea of this broken and isolated and confused time. They were to accept it as something that God has sent. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Could God not use this time to redeem us? To bring us back into a right place with God? Could God not use difficulty and suffering and heartache and pain to bring us into a right place with God? I believe that with all my heart, that God would do that. This is what he did here. In the same way that we accept this difficult time of trusting in God and hands in, our hands are in God's we take care of us, in sickness or in health, we need to trust God in this time. We need to stop acting like people with no hope. We're not that kind of people. We need to build. We need to plant. We need to marry. We need to have children. We need to seek in peace and pray for the city. It was not too long ago, a matter of fact, that I had this idea, and I've got this group called 84 Runners that's in our church. 
And the idea was to have this run called Run, Pray, Waco. Maybe some of y'all heard about it. The idea was to run across Waco 14 miles. Not all in one day, that would be hard for me. But the idea was to run the month of November. We ran that time and we ran, as we ran, we actually were praying for Waco as we ran. And we were pulling other people along that were praying with us. We were pulling other runners along with us. We ran from our church all the way to Rising Star Baptist Church in East Waco. And the idea was to pull Waco along, people along to pray for Waco. And the whole idea is to seek the prosperity of the city and to pray for our city, to provide hope and newness for people around us. We need to build. We need to plant. We need to continue to increase. The, the, the word says we need to increase, not decrease, not pull back and move forward. God has given us this time to do that. Also, these people had false hope. False prophets had convinced the people. Hananiah in verse 28, Hananiah had convinced the people that, listen, you're not going to stay here long. It's only going to be two years. We're only going to be here two years, and then we're going to move out. Don't settle. Don't plant. Don't do any of that. Get ready to move out. Jeremiah told them the opposite. It's important that we hold on to God's truth and not the world's truth. We are far too often lured into believing in false ideas by others, our news, our government, different things around us. Can I just tell you that my 96-year-old mom, I love her dearly, and she's probably watching. She's going to probably be mad at me when I say this. But she watches CNN way too much. I'm not trusting in CNN. I'm not trusting in Fox. I'm not trusting in the things around me. And a lot of times, folks, I just tell you again, we put our hope in false things, sometimes even in our own ideas. It's important for us as people of God that we are seeking God's face, going before God, asking God, God, where do you want to use me? How do you want to direct my life? Show me. The Israelites, as a matter of fact, had put their hope in false things. Jeremiah said this in verse 8, Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in your, in your name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. I truly believe, though, my hope is not only in this. My hope is found in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. And it's important for us as believers in Christ Jesus that our hope is in him. Amen? We need that now. And people around us, as I go back to what Blake said last Sunday, the indwelling of God's spirit in our life changes us to be able to bring hope and life and newness to people around us. And the last point I share this morning is this. True hope. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. God has a gracious promise for us, and that promise is Jesus Christ. And my life and your life, a matter of fact, we are called to share Christ with others. That's what God has called us to do. We have the true hope. We have the word of God in our life based on God's word, not on the ideas or promises of this world. God's gracious promise. And verse 11 says this, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. 
Therefore, we have this hope. Therefore, we have this future, a plan for our lives that God is directing. I pray that God would continue to direct me in 2021. I pray that God would continue to direct you in 2021, that God would open up new doors and a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit to be used by him in 2021, wherever that may be. Right before Christmas, we went down to Magnolia Table. I bought the lemon lavender donut holes. Anybody tried those? It was a hit with our neighbors. I bought eight boxes of them. We went to every one of our neighbors around us. And as we gave them those lemon lavender, first of all, they were impressed that it was a Magnolia Table. And then I just asked them, can I pray for you this afternoon? A few of them didn't want it, but the ones that did, I caught them off guard. And all of a sudden, one and two of them, maybe even three of them, began to open. I was just there delivering food, but all of a sudden, I began to hear their story, and God opened up different things for us as Sabrina and I to be able to love and care for the neighbors around us. You see, because of God's indwelling spirit, God will use us to step into our community, into our neighborhoods, to be this light and hope around us. It goes on to say this in chapter 13, and the greatest hope we have is when we seek him with all of our hearts. And listen, it's more, listen, I, I say this again, it is more than just coming to church. It is more than just sitting in a pew. It's more than just Zooming your life group. It is seeking God. The, the scripture says, seeking God with all your heart. And listen, the rest of that scripture says, I will be found. I don't know about you, but I want to find God. And I want God to find me. And that's an incredible promise that we can look out this morning. This is truly the intimacy that God desires in our life. Our hope does not depend on good health. Our hope does not depend on good things going on around us. I want to quote one more, not so much a theologian, but I want to quote the Grinch on this next quote. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. You see, it's more than just having good things around you. It's more than just having your health, a good church, good friends. I think God has called the church to be more committed in 2021. God has called us to build and plant and marry and increase and seek the peace and prosperity of our community and pray. I close with this last scripture. Samuel, the prophet, assembled all of Israel at Mizpah. They wanted him to intercede for them. And Samuel said, I will intercede for you. On that day, he fasted and they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord, is what they said. 
When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came to attack them. When the Israelites heard of this, they were afraid because the Philistines, again, I think about the fear that I've gone through this year, the fear that I've seen, that I've become afraid of life. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out the Lord our God for us. He cried out the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, that day, this day for us, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and drew them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. And Samuel, he took a stone. He placed the stone between Mizpah and Shin. And he called it Ebenezer, which means, thus far the Lord is with us. Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God is going to do in 2021 for me, for the church. But can I just tell you in all honesty, I was so grateful for 2020 that God used circumstance and life and health and all that went around me to bring me closer to him. I'm so grateful for that. But maybe you need to go home and set up an Ebenezer by the way, in my front garden of my house, I've got a pile of stones that I piled up there just as a symbol for me to remember God. I know my neighbors think I'm just a cult. It's probably what they think, you know. It's just a reminder to me. Thus far, the Lord has taken care of us before COVID. He's taken care of us through COVID. And God will take care of us all the days of our life. Church, build, plant, marry, increase, move forward. Seek the peace of the community and pray. The Lord is with us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. And I'm reminded, Lord, for the things that you have taught me in this past year. Yet at the same time, Father, I'm so excited about the things that you have in store for me. As I move forward in the ministry that you've called me to, in the way that you've called me, Father, to serve this congregation, Father, and the way that you've called me, Father, to be a husband and a father, I pray, Father, more than anything else, that you would continue to use me in a powerful way. But I pray for our church this morning, Father. In some ways, Father, we have backed up and been fearful of life and things around us. 
And Father, we have a hope in you, a strength in you, a promise in you. Forgive me. Forgive us, Father, for the way that we have thought our own thoughts, been fearful in the ideas that we have to live our lives. And Father, I just ask that you would help us to understand that you love us dearly and you have a plan for our life, Father, a plan to prosper, a plan to be used. And we ask that you would help us to do that, Father, in this new year. Thank you. For we pray these things in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.